Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When the temple is rebuilt and the people are back to sacrificing and back to worship in the temple, it is at that time, this is under, you need to understand this, at the halfway mark in that next three and a half years, Satan will be at war with Israel. And then Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24, this is key for you to understand. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, To the people of Israel, when you see the Antichrist set up his image in the temple, causing all the world to worship him, Jesus said, Jewish people, hello, when you see that, he says, run, run to the rock, run and hide. And he says, listen, and take off running. Listen, don't stop and get your luggage. Don't stop for food. Don't go back. Pray that your flight is not in the winter, Jesus said, because it's going to be cold. And don't and pray that your flight's not on the Sabbath. Go, run, hide. Notice verse 6 says, the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place, note this, prepared by God. I love that. God takes care of his people that they should feed her there 1,260 days or three and a half years. Now, fast forward, Revelation chapter 12, look at verse 14. Turn to verse 14 really quick, really quick. But the woman, notice in verse 14, was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is mourning. Note this, for time, that's one year, and times, that's two more years, and half time, that's a half a year. So what we have is three and a half years. This is where she is to hide. Israel is to hide from the presence of the serpent. God provides a special place of protection for his people, the rock city of Petra. Now, many, many scholars, pretty much all scholars agree, this is the place where the people of Israel are to run when they see the abomination. The Bible says the abomination of desolation, but you could think of it as the abomination which causes desolation. Jesus said, when you see that, he says, run. Many scholars believe that they are to run to the rock city of Petra. It is beautiful. You probably saw a little glimpse of it in the Indiana Jones movie. Remember when they were going to find the the Holy Grail and that beautiful red sandstone, different color red city that is hewn in the rocks. I've wanted to, I want to tell you so much about that, but I don't have time this morning. But, but needless to say, 
This place is only accessible by horseback and can easily be defended against the attacks of the enemy. This is the place that many scholars believe the Jews will flee to, the place that is prepared by God. Well, notice the woman, but not only the woman, but our second point this morning. Notice there's a war in heaven. Notice in verses 7 through 12, and a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. I always get the scene of like a boxing ring. Michael in one corner, his angels. Satan and his angels in the other corner. They meet in the middle and duke it out. But they lost. Satan lost. Verse 8, they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. And so the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old. Look at how many names he has. The serpent of old, the dragon, called the devil, Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying in verse 10, In heaven now salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren. Notice that. He's accuser of the sistren too. Just wanna wanna include you ladies there. The accuser of the brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Notice three things overcomes the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, number one, and by the word of their testimony, number two. And they did not love their lives to the death. Number three. Therefore rejoice, verse 12, O heavens and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants on the earth. You see, Satan is kicked out of heaven. And heaven rejoices because he's not there. And then on the earth, though. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows Because he knows his time is short. Notice that. Give me your attention. Notice when the Antichrist begins to persecute the Jewish people, they flee to the mountains, as we said. And war breaks out in heaven. This is a dramatic scene that's taking place there in heaven between Michael and the dragon or Satan. Now, the name Michael means who is like God. And Satan means adversary. So there is a battle between Michael and Satan. Now, let's just quickly take the time to correct a misnomer. Many people I've heard say Satan is the opposite of God. Satan is not the opposite of God. God has no counterpart. God is God and God stands alone. The psalmist said, who is like thee, O God? In other words, that's a question that really can't be answered. There is none like thee. Who can you compare God to? No one. Satan is not the opposite of God. God is self-existent. God is eternal. Satan's time is short. God is omnipotent. That means all-powerful. Satan, time is short. You see, God stands alone. God stands alone. The opposite of Satan would be more like Michael, the chief angel. Michael, the archangel. Notice they're duking it out in the heavenly scene. Now, God doesn't duke it out with the devil. 
Man, all God needs to do is say, gone. As a matter of fact, let's go one step better. All God has to do is think it, and it's done. That's it. That's God. God, God stands in a class all by himself. He's just there. It's just God. There's no counterpart. Now, their kingdoms are opposite. Yes, God's kingdom is light and life. Satan's kingdom is death and darkness. But Satan would be more like an opposite with Michael, not with God. Now, you say to me, Rodney, notice when this battle took place, God kicked him out of heaven. And you say to me, Rodney, now, wait a minute. Now, you just said in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, I was listening. You said that God kicked Satan out at that time and a third of the angels went with him. Didn't you say that? Yeah, I did say that. But let's understand something. It's at that point that God kicked him out of heaven, but Satan still had access to heaven. Satan could not be a resident of heaven, but he had access to heaven. Here in the middle of the tribulation, Satan no longer can go in and out of heaven, but he could prior to this go in and out of heaven. Oh, you might remember the stories in Job chapter one. Satan shows up in the presence of God. And God says, hey, Satan, where you been? Going throughout the earth, trying to make people miserable. God says, oh, well, have you considered my servant Job? And Job's probably thinking, oh, gee, great, God. Oh, sure, get Satan after me. It's like, God, don't brag on me, please. I don't need any more trials and tribulations. Please? So, oh, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, yeah, I considered Job. But you know, God, you protect him. You provide for him. He's got everything he needs and all because of you. But if you take your hand off of him, we'll see what happens. So we see from the story, we know from the story that Satan has access to heaven. He can go in and out. But here in the middle of the tribulation, not so. No longer can he go in and out of heaven. Now, something else I want to point out to you. Did you notice this? There is a battle going on between Michael and the dragon in the spiritual world. Did you note that? I believe that if we could peel back, it was like one of those little peelers on a Coke bottle or something. It got the little thing that says peel here and you take your fingernail and kind of try to pull it. Well, I don't have any fingernails, so I'm always having to, here, honey, do this. But it says peel here. I believe that if we could peel here and pull back this reality that we see right now, I believe we would see good angels and bad angels fighting and duking it out right now. Because there is a battle going on in the spiritual world of something that I think that we Christians don't realize. We don't realize that there is a battle going on. What's the battle for? The battle is for the souls of families and friends. The battle is for your children. The battle is for your children. Amen? Amen. What? Don't you see? MTV. Man, it's awful out there. The battle's for your friends, for the souls of people. The battle, that's why we do, we do harvest and things of that nature. We want to get people into the kingdom because Satan is seeking to keep people out of the kingdom. And there is a real battle and a real spiritual warfare going on. And we need to be aware of that. You know, when there's problems in your home and you and your husband are just arguing back and forth. 
or your kids. You can't seem to get them in line and get the home in line. You know what you need to do? You need to stop and pray. You need to stop and pray. You need to just stop. Just say, you know what, let's just stop. Let's just pray right now. You know why? Because the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are spiritual. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's the weapons? Prayer, the word of God, faith, and trust. And we've got to begin to use spiritual weapons to engage in spiritual battles. You cannot fight a spiritual battle with fleshly weapons. You cannot beat Satan with fleshly weapons. I mean, if you could take out a gun and shoot him, you would do it and it'd be over. If you could take out a sword and cut his head off, you would do it and the battle would be over. But it doesn't work like that, Mr. and Mrs. Christian. It doesn't work like that. The weapons that you need are spiritual and they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Paul said it like this in Ephesians chapter six. He said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against a spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Your battle's not with your wife. Your battle's not with your husband, it's not with your kids, it's not with your boss. The battle is spiritual, and we need to engage with spiritual weapons. But notice in verse 9, if you will, with me. Gosh, I have so much to say in so little time to say it. Look in verse 9. Look how many different names. It just kind of blew me away. They're all kind of right there. Different names for the devil, the dragon, Satan, the serpent of old, the devil. And notice what he does in verse 9. Did you see that? He is also known as the accuser of the brethren. You see that? Satan's job is to accuse you. Just like he did Job. He goes and says, hey, you know what? Job is the reason why he doesn't curse you because you take care of him. Satan's job is to accuse you. Jesus' job is to excuse you. In 1 John chapter 2, you know it. You know what? If anyone sins, we have an advocate. You know that word advocate? That means attorney. Jesus is our attorney. When Satan comes to accuse you, Jesus says, yeah, you're right, but I died for that. My blood was shed for that sin, and therefore Jesus excuses you. Satan will always accuse you. You can count on it. And make no mistake, when Satan goes to God about your sin, he's probably telling the truth. I mean, he's got a lot on us. He really does. But thank God that Jesus isn't accusing us. He's excusing us by his blood. See, Satan, the beast, the false prophet, they would accuse you. Jesus excuses you. Johnny Cochran. What was it? The OJ trial. Johnny Cochran. F. Lee Bailey, Barry Sheck. They were known as the dream team. They're not the dream team. You know what the dream team is? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the real dream team. You see, because Johnny and the boys might be able to get you off now. You might be able to go free now, but hey, what about that day when you stand before the Lord and you give an account for your life? Then who's going to set you free? Then who will forgive you? Then who, you know, what can wash away my sin? Wash away your sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, when we get to heaven, 
The blood of Jesus washes away our sins. Amen. Washes away our sins. But now notice, if you will, with me again in verse 3. Notice how they overcame. Notice how they overcame. Three things. The blood of the lamb. Write this down. The blood of the lamb. They overcame the devil. The blood of the lamb. The word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. We overcome by the blood. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that we have redemption through his blood. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were afar off, but we've been made near by the blood. You see, overcoming has nothing to do with your profession. It has everything to do with your possession of the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life. Overcoming is found in the power and the potency and the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ and then their testimony. Don't let anybody shut you up. You know, if you go to school and you're talking about Jesus and we don't want you talking about Jesus anymore, don't even think about it. You keep talking about Jesus. At work, rest or play, you keep talking about Jesus. Amen? Don't let, you see why? Because you overcome by your testimony. And it's not, oh, my testimony, I'm going to tell you how a wonderful person I am. And all that God has done in my life, of course. No, no, no. You know what their testimony is? I don't even have time to develop this, but I'll, I'll go there for a second. I'll go there. You know, you know what their testimony was? One word. One word. Grace. G-R-A-C-E. Here's an acronym for you. God's riches at Christ's expense. That was their testimony, not how wonderful they were or suffering saints we are. God's chosen people we are. No, I don't think so. Grace, man, Lord saved us just because he chose to? Wow. God's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And then they overcame because they did not love their lives. They didn't love their lives, loving not your life, Overcome Satan's violence because if you don't cling to your life, then there's no threat that Satan can bring to you. If you really believe what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. And how can Satan's violence against them be effective? It can't. Now, I like to read Spurgeon's writings. C.H. Spurgeon, they call him the prince of preachers. And I love Spurgeon. And concerning this text, he said this, he quoted this, and, and I couldn't say it better, and it was just too good for me to steal it. So I, uh, <laughs> I thought I'd just kind of read it to you. But, but this is great. And Spurgeon wrote these words so perfectly, talking about the Christian being an overcomer. It works first because his victory is our victory. First, you are to regard Satan this day as being already literally and truly overcome through the death of our Lord Jesus. Satan is already vanqu a vanquished enemy. By faith, grasp your Lord's victory as your own, since he triumphed in your nature and on your behalf. Come, my soul, thou hast conquered Satan by the Lord's victory. Will thou not be, a be brave enough to fight a vanquished foe and trample down the enemy whom thy Lord has already thrust down? Thou needest not be afraid, but say thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we use the blood of the Lamb in spiritual warfare, not as a Christian abracadabra, 
As if chanting the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus could keep Satan away like garlic is said to keep away vampires. Rather, our understanding, our apprehension, our focus, may I say, our obsession with the death of Jesus on the cross as our substitute wins the battle. Isn't that true? And then Paul said it like this. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? For Jesus has gotten us the victory. Jesus has gotten us the victory. We can't get it for ourselves. Don't try to do battle with the devil. Duke it out with the devil. You don't have to. Jesus has already gotten the victory. And all you need to do is apply the power and the potency of the blood of Jesus, which is all sufficient to give you the victory. Amen. It's all about Jesus. Well, then notice, I got to close. The war on earth. Notice in verse 13, the war on earth. We talked about the woman, the war in heaven, the war on earth. When the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. Now, many Bibles commentators and scholars believe that this is a picture of America, that the United States would be the country who would cover Israel as she makes her way into the rock of Petra. I don't know. It's very, very possible. But she was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, times and a half time, three and a half years from the presence of the serpent. And so the serpent spewed out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth, so he sent out this great army after the woman as she fled into the rock. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood. That would be the army, the dragon's army which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Now, you might say, right, that sounds a bit fantastic, doesn't it? Well, no, not really. Numbers chapter 16, you might remember those people, Israel, they were complaining to Moses and complaining against Moses there in Korah. And what happened? God opened up the earth and they all fell in. So it wouldn't be the first time that God opened the earth and the earth swallowed up a bunch of people. And then in verse 17, the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice that the Antichrist is vomiting out his hostility and anger, chasing her, Israel, as a flood that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Notice that. Now, look this up later. This is pretty fascinating. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9. It tells us that during the tribulation, a third of the Jewish people will survive. Interesting. Two out of three will die. Two-thirds of the Jewish people will die during the tribulation. And the third that is left will say, this is my God. And God will say, this is my people. Very interesting. Next week, you've got to be here because we are going to talk about next week and take a look at the most famous number in the world. 
666. I actually read a story. This is true. I read a story about this, this couple who bought a house. And the address was 666-whatever lane. They went down to the city and had the number changed. I knew a guy who had um, his driver's license and in the number, it had 666. And when he got it, he was like, no! I got to change it, man. I got to change it. I can't have 666 on my license. The most famous number in the world. We'll talk about that. You know, people get weird about 666, don't they? They really do. Nobody gets weird about 777. <laughs> Nobody gets weird about 111. I mean, we dial phone numbers now, 888. But 666. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.